0: Hello and welcome to the Sweet Podcast with me, Mitchell Willis and him, Michael Hall. Good afternoon. How are you? I'm alright, that was very loud. I'm excited, it's international break and usually I'm not very excited for international break.
1: Well, I think now the Nations League's gone obviously, there is that lack of competition involved. I know, obviously, we've still got qualifiers, but there are a few of those godforsaken friendlies creeping (laughs) back in.
0: Yeah, there are. You know, there's all sorts cracking off in those Euro qualifiers. Obviously, we won in style, some new blood coming through as well, and a hat-trick hero. What a time to
1: be alive. Indeed. And also, there's been, I guess you could describe it as some ups and downs for the other home nations. Yes. Um, Yes. I think we'll get onto that a little bit later in the show, won't we? Some some other European superpowers have got plenty to look forward to with new chapters being written all over the shop and uh, a game that I watched last night, which was one of my most enjoyable footballing experiences of 2019 so far.
0: Really? I'm looking forward to hearing
1: about that. Absolutely. Shall we go to Wembley?
0: I think we have to because, like I say, I'm excited. I'm excited about Southgate's Young Lions and a 5-0 win over the Czech Republic and it's it's a cracking start for England and biggest win at Wembley for five years and I just I wonder does this you know this continues our streak of playing very well and beating teams fairly comfortably and I wonder if it represents us putting teams to the sword a little bit more now have we taken it up a notch and, and is this what we're coming to expect every time
1: um, I, th- I think that you have to retain a level of perspective with results no. like this because the opposition initially the Czech Republic aren't what they were no. um, twenty five years ago, um, but I think from an England point of view, going forward we seem to now have an absolute wonder of attacking talent that we can rely upon, and, and 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 that's great. I think defensively we still look a little bit shaky, and and yes, we should look forward to putting sides like this to the sword if we want to be at the top table of international football. We've got to be beaten. I would call the Czech Republic a, a tier 3 side now I don't think they're sort of the best of the rest I think they're, no. they're, they've probably moved down a level and I think we've got to be winning those games comfortably not by 5-0 every time but you, you don't want to be conceding goals against them and you want to be having comfortable winning margins and from that point of view I think that the confidence that it will breed in the squad going into games like tonight which is probably a little bit more difficult it's obviously in a different environment that's what will give Southgate the most pleasure that the confidence that they've built up from the summer and from the Nations League now yeah. comes into it in a completely different format
0: and it gets the fans on side as well doesn't it you know it's um, it's those and, and we'll talk about it later with other nations but it's those sorts of games where actually you, you know you beating Czech Republic 5-0 on paper, yes, should be doing it, but actually going to Wembley as a fan, watching on TV, whatever it is, it's definitely something to get excited about. And, you know, you mention individuals from, we'll talk about an attacking perspective first and foremost, Raheem Sterling, uh, scored a hat-trick. The the first goal was wonderful, 25 passes, 10 players touched the ball, and I think you look at him individually, look how far he's come since last summer, just just last summer. Um, He received all sorts of criticism in the World Cup, and... At times, I would say it was justified. Not necessarily the the type of criticism that he was getting, and obviously the criticism we've seen before and after too. But he seems to have stepped his game up both on and off the pitch this season. I think he's become much more confident, but equally much more level-headed and mature as well. And you know, he's he's looking a lot more consistent. I think that's probably the key for me. He came into this game on a rich vein of form for Manchester City. And I think after scoring against Spain at the back end of last year, he's he's been unstoppable and it's great to see him replicate that in England shirt as well.
1: And I think a lot of that comes down to the competition for places that we've got in those positions now. You look at the likes of Jordan Sancho, you look at Callum Hudson O'Doy, who's obviously had his first appearance in England shirt and um, there are players in there who will push Raheem Sterling. He's obviously probably the, the second name on the on the team sheet after Harry Kane at the moment, but you you like a little bit of competition you don't want to get too comfortable in that position and I think that it was all about whether he could transfer his form from Manchester City to the England side and we saw in that game against Spain where we went there and won towards the back end of 2018 that he was able to show that against the best nations and you look at a game like the Czech Republic these are the sort of games that in the past we would not want to watch as a nation because yep. you'd probably pick up a 2-0 win or maybe a 1-0 a victory there'd be a huge amount of passing the team would camp on the 18-yard box and and it would just be a a training exercise which wasn't very exciting. Now England have fortunately over the last couple of years been able to to play in different ways and been able to play with different formations so now if a team does sit deep then they can actually invite them onto them um, and hit them on the break. Alternatively you can flood the midfield to try and stop that from happening. And I think you've got an opportunity now under Gareth Southgate as a coach where He's not scared to drop players when he thinks the opposition need a different approach. Yep. And I think in the past, it was always a round pegs and round holes situation rather than considering the opposition and thinking, well, how do I adapt? I think we saw that as well when Barkley came on for Dyer because, you know, Dyer's obviously
0: gone on very early and, and could have easily just put Declan Rice in there to just sit in and do a job. But I think he's recognised from the word go that we've got the extra impetus to be able to put a more attack-minded midfielder on there as well. And I think we've got such a, a, a dearth of option, a, a br- kind of wide breadth of options now that we didn't necessarily have. And we've got all different types of players that can adapt to the way that we're playing. Whereas I think, as you say before, it was it was very rigid. You know, it was just a simple, we'll play to the player strengths rather than the players playing to the system strength. And, and I think that's what Southgate's brought in. You know, he's brought a, a style of play that, that that's not only exciting, but it's also, as you say, it breeds confidence just because like that first goal, 25 passes in, you've got someone on the end of it. And I I think it's a really exciting time at the moment because we do, whilst there is still some scepticism over the defence, I think we do still look as though we could compete at a higher level as well. We've got an extra gear to go. And and I think that's that's the most important thing for me, that we can carry that on into the Nations League, uh, semi-finals and hopefully final this year then into the into the Euros next year and, and I think with some of that young talent you know you look at someone like Sancho he looks so assured and confident hudson Odoi the same as well and and it looks like he's going to get a start this evening and
1: it's it,
0: it we've got probably differing views on this but I think it's really exciting to see that he's willing to, to give them a chance and a bit of a risk as well
1: I, I have the same view that it's exciting and I think that it should be applauded that he's willing to give players a chance at an early age what I don't agree with is that somebody should be promoted from a youth team into the first team squad and start a game of football over somebody who was picked in that first team squad um, ahead of him and I don't think that a couple of days in a training squad is enough time to make a decision on a player, especially in an environment away at Montenegro where it is going to be difficult, there will be less space, there will be um, a better quality of opposition you would expect, and but but does it not
0: represent that at all age levels that everyone's a lot closer now in terms of the, the development of youth players is is born out of the system again from the very top to the bottom.
1: I just struggle with the whole Callum Hudson-Odoi thing, and I I, I as much as he as much as he is an exciting player, I think it. it he's possibly been used for the wrong reasons. We saw it at Chelsea. Surrey started using him because he was linked with this move to Bayern Munich in January, which isn't the right reason. You should pick a player on merit, not because you think that you're going to lose him to a rival. And there's an opportunity for Callum Hudson-Odoi to play for a different nation. And I just get the feeling that Gareth Southgate has seen him go into that under-21 setup and thought, actually, I've got a pretty good opportunity to give this kid a competitive cap and, and therefore stop him f- and stop him from going to play for another nation. You look at Wilfred Zahar who came into the England squad played a couple of friendlies and then now and he's ended up representing the Ivory Coast and I just wonder whether Southgate had something like that in the back of his mind because Zahar is a great talent and don't get me wrong he wouldn't necessarily be suited to this current England squad but I just think that there's something about Callum Hudson-Odoi and, and that model which I don't feel comfortable with. I, I agree with you that A lot of the England youth sides now are set up in the way that there is a clear pathway from one to another, but I don't feel like he's really earned his corn within that under-21 set-up, and I don't think he's performing consistently enough at Premier League level to be given the opportunity to represent the England team as a full international.
0: Do you have an
1: alternative in mind?
0: Um, Just to play devil's advocate. I
1: I don't think that there is anyone that I would consider especially needs to to go in ahead of somebody like Jordan Sancho. I think when you look at what Sancho's done over at Dortmund in going there and playing week in, week out and he had to start on the bench there but he fought his way into the first team. He stayed there. He's got an absolute boatload of assists this season. He's scored goals. And he's played Champions League football consistently. And Hudson-Odoi only really challenged himself at Europa League level and in the domestic cup competition. Yep. He's not made a Premier League star. And I just I, I just don't agree with it. I, I don't think that he's merited that call-up yet. And I hope he proves me wrong. And I hope he scores tonight and, and goes on to have a really long career for England. But the most important thing from his development point of view is that he gets in that Chelsea first team and he plays between now and the end of the season in the Premier League. Because if not... What kind of message is that sending to players who are playing week in, week out for their for their squads in the Premier League? No, absolutely. Um, I, I think you know, squad depth and
0: and the amount of um, individuals that could be in and around the squad is 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 definitely encouraging to see. Um, I, I I agree to a certain extent. You know, it's it's a difficult one, particularly with him and the the situation that he's had over the last few months, and with Chelsea with the potential move away as well. And yeah, as you say, I think it's maybe a different conversation if he scores one and sets one up tonight. But we shall see. But anyway, I think we, we need to have a quick look at the game. Um, uh, There's a penalty decision. A bit
1: of a weird one, really, wasn't it? Yeah, kind of like two penalty decisions in one, but yeah. where neither of them were probably a penalty. But when you combine the two, it might be. <laughs> yeah. I don't really know how else to put it. And, and I think you... You get those at Wembley um, as a big yeah, nation. Probably. I think I think that's probably the bracket that England find themselves in now. That we are a top four country. When you look at what happened in the World Cup, it, it, we got to that stage, and therefore, when a referee goes into a game and they see an England player go down under a challenge, they're probably more likely to think actually that probably was.
0: Yeah, no, I think you're right, and and also there was the own goal as well, just to cap off the night for uh, Czech Republic, which
1: I, I don't. I mean, I.
0: I I I didn't see it in the game, so I've I've only seen kind of one angle of it, but I don't really know what he's doing. I, I don't know whether it was a mistouch touch or whether he just thought, I'll finish it.
1: I mean, you saw from his reaction that it was clearly something that he hadn't maybe thought through and I guess when you get to that stage in a game you're very leggy, you you don't really have much of an opportunity to 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 think in that situation because the pace of those England players now, you know that somebody's gonna be on you pretty quickly. So The decision may have been an easy one, and I suppose you can tell his grandkids that he scored at Wembley. That's (laughs) something for the scrapbook. But I I think that going forward, England look really good. I think we've got a lot to be confident about and a lot to be positive about, but what we must consider is that we will have bigger tests against better nations, and until that happens, Southgate needs to ensure that he picks the best players to go out and do the job that he thinks they're capable of doing, And, and I expect him to do that tonight.
0: Yeah, it's a tougher task. You'd have thought tonight. The Montenegro drew one all away at Bulgaria on Friday. Um, as as you said before, conditions certainly won't favour us. I wouldn't have thought, and um, I think on paper we should be beating sides like that. And I think it's a real test, to be honest. I think given how we may have struggled against some of these nations away from home previously, I, I think it, there's there's a lot of pressure on us tonight because. To go and win 5-0 in in fairly easy circumstances and look very, very comfortable, it almost means absolutely nothing if you don't follow that up tonight with with a win. I I wouldn't even say a draw. It needs to be a win, but... I don't know what your thoughts are and predictions on it.
1: I th- I think we will win the game. I think we'll probably go through this group without losing. I, I, I'd be very surprised if we did drop many points, if any. Um, This is probably one of the tougher away trips and I expect a clean sheet and I expect probably a two or three goal margin. It, it might take them a little while to break them down because naturally in games like this against these sides they do try and make it difficult for you but I think once that first goal goes in the, the home side have got to try and go forward and attack a little bit and that will probably create more space for, for the likes of the players that we've already discussed to, to get in there. So yeah, I, I, I expect to win. I'll I'll go for a 2-0 victory. I'll go 3 because I, I thought I was going to go
0: 2. It wouldn't surprise me if, if, like you say, it's quite cagey. It's 1-0 perhaps, but we shall see. I think it's probably worth covering the, the bigger picture. You, you know, what we're expecting from England for the rest of the year and, and obviously next year as well. They've got Nations League semi-final in June against the Netherlands and then Chance to play Portugal or Switzerland in the final, all being well. You know, can we win that and then go on into the Euros and win it at Wembley as well?
1: See, I feel that it's a shame that the Euros isn't this summer. Um, Because I think if there was an international tournament this summer in the regular format, we'd probably go in as favourites. Because if you look at Germany, they're in a transitional period. Yep. The Dutch are improving, but they're probably not at the top of their game just yet. The Spanish had an absolute stinker of a World Cup and still haven't really got over that hangover um, and then you look at France and you think yeah they'd, they'd probably be up there as well yeah. but the form that England have been in I would have loved to see an international tournament this summer because it, it really would have given us a good chance but I think we'll we'll do well in the Nations League it, it wouldn't surprise me to see us win it and then probably bomb out the Euros in the quarter finals <laughs> as normal but in all honesty I think as an England fan you probably want to see them go further in the Euros than win yeah. the Nations League don't get me wrong it would be lovely to to win both but I think that we need to use the Nations League for the right reasons and and try and get the players mindsets onto winning one off games in in, in knockout situations which obviously we managed to win one in the summer and then we we lost the semi-final and then uh, sorry we won two but then we lost the semi-final and then the third place playoff so that's probably the next step from an England point of view is 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 to try and get through a semi and then and then win a final. I think um having the semi
0: and the finals at Wembley next year in the Euros is going to be absolutely huge and I think you know there's no better incentive because whilst we should be getting through kind of second rounds and quarter-finals really against the opposition particularly in the Euros if you take the particularly the South American teams out of it some of the tricky kind of African teams and I think, yeah, you know, we have to be aiming for semi-finals as a minimum. And then to be on home soil as well, that that should be encouraging. And I, I suspect that Southgate's got that in his mind. You know, we we want to get to a semi-final. We want to be challenging. And, and, you know, we'll talk after the break around the other nations. But I think you're right in what you say in terms of some of the other nations at the moment probably aren't quite ready and potentially that extra year and, and that extra bit of experience because there are a lot of nations who... Are kind of developing the younger players, developing their own styles, and I think we just need to not get too complacent if we do have a good summer this summer because I think we we should win it, you know, against the sides that are in it. We should be beating the three of those, um, and I think you know all being well as long as we're not knackered by the end of this season, then we should still be relatively fresh and confident going into those games as well.
1: Absolutely right, and that's pretty much it for England, isn't it? I think we've we've. Uh, Got quite a lot to explore after the break where we'll talk about those aforementioned other home nations and a, a roundup of what happened this weekend. it out by McCann.
0: How Paul goals with the most brilliant goal! Yeah, it was the best one.
1: It? it always looks better when it goes in off the crossbar, doesn't it? Bounces down, bounces into the roof, and it always looks better like that. I don't, that one. Was it the fact the goalkeeper had Jackie bottoms off? <laughs> yeah, I've got to score past him. <laughs> yeah. It's like can, goalkeeper I with bottoms can I miss against guys? <laughs> <laughs> Sunday
0: morning. Welcome back to part two of the Sweeper podcast. remember having a bit of a round-up from the rest of the European qualifiers. And we'll touch on the home nations uh, afterwards, but... I think we have to start with, with France, world champions France, um, it, it's an interesting group actually, Group H, Turkey, Iceland and France all won and I don't know whether you saw Antoine Griezmann's goal, I um, did, the ball from Paul Pogba was just unbelievable and what a finish to match as well, just emphatic, a little chip over and then just bosh, um. it,
1: it reminded me of our Sunday league days actually, the, uh, the sort of link play that you and I used to have down the right hand side. Just, just a lot quicker. <laughs> yeah, 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 and and a much better standard of of defending generally. Yeah, yeah, in, generally, uh, yeah.
0: But um, you know, obviously, Iceland, you know, they need to to keep looking to qualify for these tournaments. With the, I would say it's probably a golden generation for them at the minute. It, it's you know it's. wouldn't say it's spectacular but it's certainly the best they've ever offered and and you know i don't know a huge amount about the icelandic youth system i'm sure that it's probably improved over the last few years given the uh, the kind of heightened attention they've had but i think for them you know they have to to ride the crest of the wave and then for turkey as well they surely a comeback trail you know through the 90s and early 2000s when we started watching football they were tough opposition they were qualifying for everything ended up in our qualifying group a few times and they yeah horrible to play against and and you know really intimidating atmospheres when you go and play away there and yeah i quite like to see them back in amongst it do you
1: remember was it rush to wreck he used yes. to wear the uh, american football paint under yeah. his eyes the um scary fella i
0: would love to know where he is now
1: i reckon Prison? possibly <laughs> or um yeah i could see him doing some sort of dodgy business, can't you? Yes, definitely.
0: Anyway, in Group C, Northern Ireland got off to a cracking start, two home wins against Belarus and Estonia. They need to win those games, given that Germany and Netherlands are in there as well. Um, But it's weird. They've got the home and the away legs with Belarus and Estonia first before they take on the kind of superpowers in quick succession. And just, I think it would be an interesting one psychologically for them because if they were to win all four of those games and go into the the German and Dutch games um, with 12 points, it'd be absolutely incredible, wouldn't it?
1: Yeah, it is a really weird way of structuring the fixtures and it may well have been done to try and give them the opportunity to, like you say, go in with a little bit of confidence and it, it was massive for them to get the late winner because it looked as though it was going to be another frustrating performance and that's what Northern Ireland need to do to try and get to these tournaments. We saw how much fun they had when they got to... Um, I was France. there. I was yeah. in the fun. When was that? 2016. Yeah. Um. And and that's the sort of environment that you want them to 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 get to because realistically they're never going to win an international tournament, but by getting to one, that will mean the world to the people that follow them all over the 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 qualifying process. So let's hope for their sake that they can hopefully sneak in somehow. Absolutely. Well, it you know it's tough
0: opposition in there with Netherlands and Germany, as you say the dutch they won their first game 4-0 um and and a cracker in the second the most anticipated game of the first week of games and hosted a new look germany side went down 3-2 after the germans scored a 90th minute winner through hoffenheim's nico schultz
1: yeah this is the game that i was referring to at the start of the program this was one of my most enjoyable football matches to watch so far of 2019 and the reason was that tactically it was just enthralling joachim lubbs set Germany up in a way that I don't think anyone expected them to he actually set them up in a bit of a Dutch formation and Ronald Koeman struggled to come to terms with that early doors it took the Dutch a little while to work out what was going on and obviously when they got back into the game he thought well anyone could win it and I thought it was it was a deserved winner in the end I think that for Germany to go there after all the negative press that they've had recently and I was talking to our mate Bundesliga Bill over the weekend about Germany actually and he was saying how the the country's kind of up in arms about the national team at the moment and obviously we've we've talked previously about those three players that he decided to get rid of and it takes some guts to do it because they've won World Cups and I think it it can be a difficult hurdle to overcome trying to get rid of some of the so-called deadwood we talked about it with England and what we'll do in a few years time and I think they deserve a huge amount of credit, not just for the approach that he took to last night, but the performance itself. And it it just exposed Virgil Van Dijk to be the fraud that he is. <laughs>
0: I think it, it's going to be quite an interesting few years watching both of these sides. I think because, as we say with Germany, they're they're looking to the new now. They're they're looking to potentially change their style of play and their systems as well. And obviously, the Dutch side have got so much young talent. We've seen that with Ajax in the Champions League this season. And yeah. I think you know uh, Germany have. have I think, will always be kind of near the top of the pile anyway. They've obviously had an absolute shocker last summer, which was unbelievable to see. It was fantastic. But, (laughs) you know, uh, Netherlands have been out of it for for a few years now, really. And, and, you know, they were certainly, again, when we started watching football through the 90s, early 2000s, they were semi-finalists, finalists finalists for pretty much every tournament and doing it, playing a very, very good standard of football as well and and the right way to play football, the kind of Dutch way to play football and... I think it's going to be exciting watching them in particular and and I'm looking forward to us playing them in the summer I think it will be a, a really good challenge for us and I'd say probably out of the three teams with the Swiss and the Portuguese as well they'd probably pose the biggest challenge. Oh us absolutely
1: again. yeah I think that's the that's the one that people will look forward to isn't it and, and and rightly so. So I think that Holland will absolutely qualify from this group. I expect Germany to do the same and obviously if anything was to go seriously wrong Holland have got the opportunity of that playoff yep. which they've secured by getting through to the Nations League final as well so Ronald Koeman's got them playing an exciting brand of football and and it's it's another country another one who will probably come into Euro 2020 looking to win it
0: absolutely well Croatia the new old enemy for England <laughs> um, got off to an indifferent start in Group E needed to come from behind to beat Azerbaijan then lost away in Hungary yesterday and. Obviously, elsewhere in that group, you've got Wales as well, who played and, and won their first game, 1-0 beating Slovakia in Cardiff, thanks to a Daniel James strike after just five minutes. And they've got some some talent coming through. Uh, I think it'll be interesting to see what Ryan Giggs, Giggs can do with them. And, you know, he's he's going about it the right way I'd say he's placing a lot of emphasis on youth and kind of pacey attacking play and we've seen some of the players you know Bale goes without saying and then you've got Harry Wilson at Derby you've got David Brooks at Bournemouth very exciting team
1: yeah it's interesting to see um, Wales keep a clean sheet when Ashley Williams was dropped yes. isn't it Yeah, yeah. maybe maybe not a coincidence there
0: no um, and I think it will be interesting to see if he can regain his
1: place at some point as well yeah I think we need to talk about Scotland um any Scottish listeners probably turn, a off, good time turn, to turn off. Just turn off. Yeah. Um, they kicked off in Group I on Thursday with a three-nil loss away at the European superpower, footballing terms, Kazakhstan.
0: I um I watched some of this game on a train and it, like it just it kept buffering. I couldn't see what was going on. But that first kind of ten fifteen minutes, I had no idea what was going on. It was just it was two nil after ten minutes and. Uh, I just thought it must be something wrong with the connection or something. But <laughs> then I managed to watch it for a period of time, and they were dreadful. They were absolutely shocking. And, you know, the fallout wasn't easy reading for them either. Um, it just, yeah, I mean, they had to go out and get a statement win against San Marino, which says it all, really. <laughs> and they laboured to a 2 0 win, and, and, you know,. Alex McLeish was booed before kickoff when his face came up on the board and there was chance of getting sacked in the morning and you just you don't associate that with any nation really do you any nations fans but Scotland in particular they've they've had so much kind of heartache over the last however many years kind of really looking back to like kind of late 90s 98 to 2000 and from there it's it's just been a, an absolute struggle
1: but then they had that period of what looked like it was quite exciting for them towards the end of last year. They got promoted from the Nations League group and things look to be on the up and we, we, we've talked about these players that Scotland have got. They've got the likes of Andy Robertson in there now. Ryan Fraser's yep. obviously been very good for Bournemouth this season. Stuart Armstrong's done all right at Southampton. And John McGinn, of course. John McGinn, exactly. They've, the got, they've got players who actually, when you look at them, they should on be paper, able to, they should be decent. to challenge other sides but to go there and lose against a side with with so few international pedigree footballers is is just an, a nightmare from a Scottish fan's point of view and you don't blame them for booing those players even after the San Marino game last night. I mean to go there and only win 2-0 is, is pretty laughable in I those they had about 4,000 fans there as yeah, well. Yeah and, right. and not only that they, they didn't create a huge amount. They had a couple of chances and I think it says it all. I watched about five minutes of this game before the, the, the Germany-Holland game started and the San Marino goalkeeper was wasting time at 2-0, which, which just shows that that represents a really yeah. good result for that side. And Scottish football is in the doldrums at the moment. They need somebody to, to, to drag themselves out of it. And hopefully that will come in the form of an exciting youth team player because at the moment you don't really see where anything's going to change with Alex McLeese in charge. He's been there before and and he did okay, but they need to qualify for international tournaments. That's where they will start to Get the fans back involved yeah, and, and, and try and reverse the the issues that they
0: had after games like last night. And then elsewhere in the group, you've obviously got Belgium as well. They've started with with two wins, as you'd expect. However, in the first game against Russia, didn't they? you saw Courtois' the mistake? I did. He walked out looking for the pass and was dispossessed with these, and and it was dispatched with pretty much just as much ease as well and he's struggling a bit at the moment he's over at Real Madrid of course and he was dropped for Zidane's first game he's obviously made this howler as well and I don't think there's quite the competition for places as a keeper with Belgium anymore I know a few years ago I think they had Mignolet, who was who was probably number one at one point as well and, yeah, yeah. and a couple of others as well so I think he'll probably kind of keep his place but be an interesting one of his not playing first team football on a regular basis, because it was a huge move for him to go over there, and a big risk as well.
1: Well that's it, Zidane's come over and said that he he's he wants to overhaul the squad that's why he left originally, because they wouldn't allow him to do that, and it wouldn't surprise you to see him go out in the summer, it's just yep. where does he go from here really, because he was kind of at the top of his game at Chelsea, and that's obviously why Real Madrid wanted to sign him, but when you're making mistakes like that, and I think with Courtois it's always been a bit of a concentration is- issue I don't doubt that he's got the ability to be able to play out from the back, but probably not in the same way that some footballers are able to, and yep. and that's what it comes down to, the modern game has moved to a stage now where you have to have the full package, we see that with the likes of Alisson and Edison in the Premier League, and you you aren't one of the top keepers in the world anymore unless you're able to do it all. And we've spoken about Holland and Germany of course, and a
0: new look Italy, got off to a winning start, beating Finland 2-0 at home, and a lot of optimisms for the Italians, because They've got some wonderful young players coming through and and kind of new generations give them plenty of hope and i I personally i'd love to see them become a bit of a superpower again because a hell of a lot of tradition probably more so as certainly as much as germany probably more so than holland and yeah i think you know it again we've missed them you know having not having the dutch and the italians at a tournament just doesn't feel right and I think Italy were very much in the doldrums, you know. They could have easily just continued to deteriorate. But I think in Serie A now, it's becoming a lot more of an exciting league. There's a lot of very good young players coming through. And I think, you know, if you're looking for future kind of world players of the year, you've got Chiesa over there who is just touted to be just an incredible talent. And he could be a talisman for someone like the Italians because they uh, they've always had that they've always had kind of one or two players that can kind of drag them through um and i think for them to be back at the top table would be would would be great to see
1: yeah they've got a game against Liechtenstein at home uh tomorrow night i think it is so you would expect them to win that and two wins from two will give them the confidence that they'll need to to go through pretty much the whole group when you look at the other teams in their group you've got the likes of armenia and bosnia and herzegovina and Greece and there's nobody in there who you wouldn't expect them to beat and I think this is where the new format of the of the uh, the Euro 2020 tournament will suit the so-called bigger nations they shouldn't have any excuse not to qualify now
0: it would be good to see uh, like quarterfinals and semi-finals just dominated by these sorts of teams because whilst I would love Everyone to get knocked out straight away in England to get a much easier path. I think, as a football fan as well, yeah, to see some of the, you know, a Germany against Italy, a, a, a you know, a Holland versus France
1: would be, would be great. Yeah, it? there's nothing worse than tuning into sort of tournament football and seeing a quarter final between Costa Rica and Iceland. That's not <laughs> what anybody really wants, is it? You no. wanna, yeah, you wanna look forward to watching international football, and 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 that's what it it comes comes down to nowadays.
0: And, and similar f- to Italy, Spain, you know, started with a win after their. Kind of embarrassment, really, against England last year, and and obviously a a poor World Cup, and again some quality young players, and and they're very much the new breed, and I think they'll be they'll be back competing again over the next few years, I'd say, because they do possess a huge amount of quality that I think mix with some of the experience that's still in there as well.
1: Yeah, the problem with Spain is that in 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 having a non-competitive league over there, it doesn't help the national team. We we the. The sides that Spain had when they were winning everything were made up of 50% Real Madrid and 50% Barcelona because at the time they were dominating European football and they were going toe-to-toe every season in the league with one another and now it just doesn't happen. The gap's grown that much and unfortunately, as a result, the Spanish national team has uh, has suffered. And finally, Big Mick is back.
0: (laughs) Not quite with a bang, but certainly with a win. Uh, Beat Gibraltar 1-0 away from home and despite a few scares from the rock, they weathered the storm and... Georgia at home next, and they have to be looking to win that more comfortably, don't they? Of
1: course they do. I think the uh, the loss of Shane Long from that squad was obviously a big miss. Yeah. When, you, when you're looking for goals, you want yeah, your right. uh, your talisman there, and the fact that he had to go back to Southampton after that would have been uh, heartbreaking for those Irish fans.
0: What's his Irish records? He must have about, he must have over fifty caps. now. He's
1: dined out on that goal that he scored against yeah. Germany for a, about <laughs> the when last that? four years or something. So it was, that yeah, that was a, that was a while ago. That's
0: brought in about thirty million pounds worth of transfer
1: fees. Yeah, um, if only Southampton had kind of thought on to <laughs> to maybe get rid at that point, that would have been good.
0: It's a strange one with Ireland, though, isn't it? Obviously, big mix in charge, but only until after the Euros and. And what happens if he does really well? Because obviously they've already appointed the new manager. And I know the, the question's been asked many times. And I don't think there's an actual answer to it. It'd be really interesting if he, if they qualified, possibly got through the group and you know, the good feeling was around the Irish camp again.
1: Yeah, I, I, I think it's it's a weird one because we don't often see these sort of situations arise. I don't think they will qualify. I think that both Switzerland and Denmark will be too good for them in terms of the group and then obviously that means that they're reliant on going through in, in I don't I genuinely don't know who can qualify for anything <laughs> anymore. <laughs> um and, and I just kind of the again the issue with, with the Republic of Ireland is they don't have that goal scorer and Robbie Keane they were getting to international tournaments because you always could hang your hat on somebody who was able to score goals for you and they just don't have that anymore. He's on the bench there now isn't he? Yeah, yeah that's, that's true. Mixed yeah, up, yeah. I wouldn't be
0: surprised if he gets stripped off and uh, makes an appearance. <laughs> I'm not sure how it works if you're unattached to a club. He'd but. definitely be better than Shane Long at this stage. <laughs> anyway that is all for the football. I think you need to join us after this break for the quiz.
1: I really need it tonight Forever's gonna start I can do a total eclipse. Of Welcome back to the final part of this week's Sweeper podcast and the reason that we are so excited about this part of the show is because it's the return of the quiz. I have become
0: not fussed about the quiz anymore. To be honest. You and the quiz are on a break. Last week I got 0 points um and I should have got probably about 6 points. Yeah, Um, so yeah, I'm I'm just pissed off with the whole thing, to be honest. I've had sleepless nights, I've um, contemplated jacking it all in.
1: Oh dear, well let's see if I can compound your misery here.
0: Yes, absolutely. Well, blockbusters as ever, we're (laughs) going to get you started with a P. Yep. For passing. Who has the most passes in the Premier League this season? Simple as that.
1: I don't have a clue I know early on it was uh, your man from Chelsea so I think I'll go with that I'll go for Jorginho Jorginho
0: you reckon yeah it's correct
1: that's oh, your right. one that's your one point
0: happy days
1: yes 80 more than
0: Virgil van Dyke with 2,553 so he's good for something indeed not much not much right not something. I think we're just internationals now oh fantastic <laughs> C is for caps who has more England caps David
1: Seaman or John Barnes
0: and this was following, watching Harry's Heroes. What a week. great
1: series that was, yeah. Um, John Barnes or David Seaman?
0: They're the two most capped out of all of the players. Can you tell that me what the difference week? is between the uh, two? four. There's four different.
1: I'm going to go for David Seaman.
0: It's JB. JB 79, David Seaman 75. Crikey. And I think the next one was Chris Waddle on about 55. The Waddler, as they the call him. The Waddler. It. He was fucking barely moving. <laughs> he them.
1: was waddling, wasn't he? Yeah. Yes,
0: right. Now we get tough. So, S is for Spanish scorers. And this is a new format question. So, five Spanish players have scored 50 plus goals in the Premier League. Can you name one for one
1: point, two for two? Five for five, you get it.
0: If you get one wrong, it's game over. They've so
1: scored how many goals in the Premier League? 50 plus. And I've got five seconds to give my answer. Yeah,
0: so I need you to tell me very quickly. I'm going to go for two. Two?
1: Yeah. Oh. And at the moment, I can only think of <laughs> one.
0: So it's game over, of course, if you get one wrong. So you've got two guesses for two. So Both a nice
1: points. and easy start, I'm going to go for Fernando Torres. Correct. He was top with 85. Just repeat the question for me. It's 50 Premier League goals or 50, 50 goals in English Premier football? 50 Premier League goals. 50 right. plus
0: goals in the Premier League. Um, As per the Premier League website.
1: And how many has Fernando Torres got? 85. Oh, my days. Now I... There's one player who I just think, well, he must have scored 50 Premier League goals. Go for it, then. Cesc Fabregas. Correct. He scored 50 on the nose. Right. and Along
0: with Juan Mata they also got 50. Right, okay. Any more? So Uh, you've got one on 54, one
1: on 52. No, that's why I went for two. David Silva. Right, okay. And Diego Costa. See, the issue that I had with that one was straight away I was trying to think of strikers. Yep. And I only had Fabregas and Torres in my head and that's why I went for those two.
0: But anyway, you've got two points. I'll take it. You will indeed. Three out of four. B is for balls. This is this is nails But it's a great question B is for balls Yeah, B is for balls Oh, balls, balls Yeah um, What was unique about the 1930 World Cup match ball? It was a final that uh, took place between Argentina and Uruguay well, You'll never get this I'm You
1: were never going to get it Unless you know it, you are never gonna so get, get it So I'll just guess Yeah um, The same ball was used in every game in the tournament No,
0: incorrect So they couldn't agree which ball they were going to use. So they each chose a different one for each half.
1: What? So they used two different balls in the World Cup final. That is, I mean, I'm pleased that I've got it wrong just to find out the answer. Interesting, isn't it? Yeah, trivial. And then
0: Adidas came along and just made everyone play with the Jabrani or whatever it's called.
1: Jabalani, yeah. Yeah.
0: Right, last question. Which Premier League player was the highest scoring South American player at the 2018 World Cup? Can you read that again, please? Which Premier League player? Oh, should do a, uh, should do a letter, shouldn't I? Really? You
1: Expert should have done. South American. Oh, brilliant! <laughs> That's a big clue. <laughs> which Premier League
0: player was the highest scoring South American player at the 2018
1: World Cup? Ah, uh, right. Okay. Um, I will go for Yerry Mina. He's
0: correct. Lovely old job. That's four points for Michael. He scored three goals in 300 minutes, which was. The same amount as Edison Cavani, but he did it in more minutes. Right, okay. So, Yerry Mina... And
1: he doesn't play in the Premier League?
0: Well, no, of course, but as in terms, of, <laughs> the
1: yeah, South in terms of South American scorers.
0: Yeah, Yerry Mina, overrated and shit, but good at scoring in World Cups.
1: Decent if you want to score in World Cups, absolutely.
0: And if you want to get in touch with us to just wax lyrical about that World Cup match ball fact from 1930 you can get us on Twitter at The Sweep Pod Instagram Facebook so Swerch I've done that again Swerch Swerch The Sweeper Podcast
1: That's Easy for you to say uh,
0: Email us at thesweeppodcast at gmail.com and as ever get on iTunes rate and review
1: listen to the podcast share it with your friends Absolutely and uh, we will be back next week to discuss the Premier League the Championship and what's going to happen in the running of the big two divisions in English football,
0: thank you very much. What is goodbye in montenegrin? Uh, I don't know, but just before fuck we go, off
1: our, our mate Steve Grants over there, and he he? is so yeah. maybe maybe we could uh, send him a text and see how he's getting on. He'll be there to watch England tonight against Montenegro, and uh, you never know we might we might hear from him before the end of the season. indeed, when I say fuck off, that is Montenegrin. <laughs> <laughs> United are talking,
0: come here and fucking boss us, we've hoofed it, Rojo, we got lucky on the fucking
1: goal, what was he, what was his tactics, as soon as you get it Rojo, just fucking do it, we're not fucking stoked, we're man fucking United, we should be battling fucking them, that was diabolical out there.